Thank you to our worship team. So uh, I have up here my favorite part of uh, the, the non-spiritual part of Christmas, right? The unopened gift. Now, I pulled this out from under the tree. We already have a few gifts under the tree. Raise your hand, kids, if you think you're going to have something under that tree with your name on it by tomorrow morning at some point in time. All right. I would say that's most of you. Okay. Some of you may be on the naughty list, what have you. Uh, at least you know that you're on that list. That's, uh, that's uh, half the battle. But uh, this one has my name on it. Now, it says on this, I saw this as I was leaving. Let me grab this gift. To my Rob, love me. Heart. Now, me is not me. Me with a heart always means my wife. She's the only person in the world that would put love me with a heart. So I know who this is from, but I don't know what's inside. I legitimately have no idea. Uh, There's only one person on the earth that knows what's in this box, and it's my wife, and she ain't telling. But there's something about the unopened gift that I actually love. In fact, as I thought about this more, what what is it about Christmas? What is it about the mystery of the unopened gift that just builds our anticipation to the place that we're about to pop? I think it's the idea that because you don't know what's inside the box, it means that this unopened box means that there's infinite possibility. That's what an unopened gift means. There's this idea that there could be anything inside. Now, it could be a pair of socks. You know, I was also thinking it, it, it could be the keys to a new car. You know, it could be the deed to a piece of vacation property, or it could be a pair of work gloves. You know, I mean, my mind's just exploded, right? It could be anything. There's infinite possibility. And that's what I think I love most about this excitement, particularly for this night and bleeding into tomorrow morning. Now, as I thought about our Christmas story, which is the real reason that we have Christmas, I thought about, you know what? Most of us have heard that story so many times. It loses the infinite possibility. It loses the mystery. It loses the man. How did that happen? It, it, it loses the climactic zinger that the participants in that original story would have felt. So what I want to do tonight is I want to try to bring back some of the mystery, bring back some of the surprise to the Christmas story. Because from the perspective of Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and others who were there in the moment 2,000 years ago, It was not a story that they knew. It was a story full of surprising twists and turns. And I think there's some mystery to that that we've lost that I want to bring back tonight and then apply that to our lives. So I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 2, the well-known account of the very first Christmas. And as I read, I'll pause a few times and I will unpack a little bit of the surprise and the mystery that is embedded in the story that I think we've actually forgotten about. So beginning in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2, At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Now, here's the first surprise in the story. Joseph's this man engaged to be married. We know he's a carpenter. He's living in Nazareth, and he gets this royal decree that everybody's got to go to their ancestral home. He wasn't expecting to make that trip, not at that point in time. This census was not planned. It wasn't like in the United States every 10 years they had a census. This was a surprise, and he didn't have a lot of time to go. So he had to pack up his things, whatever plans he had for the upcoming month, he had to cancel them so that he would go and, uh, and be registered there in Bethlehem. It was an 80-mile journey. 
Now, that doesn't seem like much to us, but back then that would have been almost a week to go 80 miles. So can you imagine if you suddenly had to pack up and take at least a two-week trip, a week of travel there, and however much time you needed to be registered for that census, and then a week back. That's a significant disruption of your plans, I believe. That's the first surprise of Christmas, and it was a surprise for Joseph. Look at verse 5, or or listen to verse 5. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged. Now this next phrase is loaded with surprise. Who was now expecting a child. So Joseph had gotten engaged or betrothed, as they call it in biblical times, to this woman. And then suddenly this woman is expecting a child. Surprise. And how about the surprise for Mary? We know from Matthew's account of this story that an angel appeared to Mary and said, Mary, you are going to have a child through the Holy Spirit. Imagine the surprise of Mary. Imagine the surprise of Mary's parents when Mary told her parents that she was going to have a baby. All these surprises embedded in this story from Joseph's perspective, from Mary's perspective, and now the young couple is off to a faraway place where there's another surprise awaiting. Verse 6, While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born. Guys, I think that was a surprise. I think they had planned, we've got enough time to make our way to Bethlehem. Be back in two weeks, mom and dad. I wouldn't dare want to have this child apart from my parents, Mary is probably thinking. And here they are stuck in a faraway place, a week's travel from home, and all of a sudden, surprise, it's time for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. No room in the inn as it says in a different translation. Again, imagine the surprise, the one couple in all of Bethlehem that night that most needed a good room. It's the one couple that didn't have a good room. The the couple had to stay in a barn. Guys, this was a surprise. Nobody plans to have a baby in a barn. And if you put yourself in the mindset of Mary and Joseph, they have to be thinking, God, if this is your baby, why have you allowed our story to play out this way? Are you really in charge or did we just imagine those angels that we had the vision of? This was a surprise that Jesus came this way, even to his own parents. Verse 8, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. You hear how the author is about the, he's setting up another surprise. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Now, I did a little uh, study of the Greek word that's translated into the English terrified, and what it means in Greek, in Greek is they soiled their undergarments. That's actually what it means. Not really. But it's, they were that afraid, right? You've heard the expression in the, the King James translation. They were sore afraid. This is not a little afraid. This is like the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Shepherds minding their own business, keeping their flocks at night in a dark environment. All of a sudden, boom, the glory of the Lord. And they were terrified. Surprise. But the angel reassured them, verse 10, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Another surprise. After 700 years of waiting, an angel is telling this group of shepherds, which, surprise, they would not normally be the first ones to hear the good news of the king. A group of shepherds is hearing it for the first time, that after 700 years, 
Jesus has come, Messiah has come on this night. Verse 12, you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby, get ready for another surprise, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Not somewhere in a large house, comfortably taken care of, in a stable, in a feeding trough is where you'll find this king. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So if they weren't surprised enough by one angel, now there's a whole army of the heavenly host, fierce warriors of the living God, proclaiming in thunderous voices, glory to God in the highest. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Now put yourself in Mary and Joseph's shoes for a minute. They've just had the baby. They're finally relaxing a little. Surprise. A group of shepherds, likely with their whole flock of sheep crowding around the baby. And not only that, but these shepherds knew who the baby was. Surprise. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were surprised. Astonished is the way it's translated in this translation. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Surprise after surprise, unexpected, unexpected twists and turns. From Mary and Joseph and even the shepherd's perspective, this is like a roller coaster, which the first time you're on it, it's terrifying because you, know, you have no idea. Are you about to go up? Are you about to go down? Are you about to go upside down? Why so many surprises in the Christmas story? Was it not enough that God could have just sent this baby and had him been born according to normal circumstances and Mary's home with a midwife and everything that you would expect in that culture? Why so many surprises? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it has to do with biblical prophecy being fulfilled and other things. But I think one of the lessons, or or two of the lessons that it teaches us tonight, I want to unpack for us. I think these are two things we can learn from all the twists and turns and surprises that are inherent in the original Christmas story. Lesson number one for us tonight. God is mysterious and unpredictable, but he can be trusted. Think about it. This is the lesson that God was trying to teach Jesus' earthly parents. I am mysterious. I am unpredictable. In other words, you're going to hear some things, you're going to see some things as your son grows up, and particularly when he's an adult, that are going to be unpredictable. And later on, Mary's going to find out a sword even is going to go to your own heart from an emotional perspective, Mary. Right? You're going to die emotionally in weeping and grief over what happens with your child, over your baby boy, Jesus. But God would also say, I can be trusted. I think God took Mary and Joseph through all these ups and downs and the surprise after surprise after surprise to teach teach them. He is unpredictable and mysterious, and yet he can be trusted. All of this happened according to God's plan. None of this was a surprise to the one who actually mattered. None of this was a surprise to God. That's lesson number one. Now for you and I, I don't know what your 2017 has been like. Some of you, you, you've, you've had some Mary and Joseph moments, unexpected things that caught you off guard, 
plans had to change. All of a sudden you realize, oh, I've got a responsibility I didn't know about. Maybe it's a heartache. Maybe it's a setback. Maybe something great happened. We've all had things in 2017. And guess what? You're going to have more things in 2018 that you could not predict right now. It will not go according to your plans. Will you remember tonight from this Christmas story that God is unpredictable and God is mysterious, but he can be trusted. And why can he be trusted? Why can he be trusted? Well, that takes us to the second lesson. Lesson number two, life without God always leads to a dead end, but life with God is full of infinite possibility. I want you to think about this for a minute. I've got this gift up here. I'll open it tomorrow. I'm sure I'll love whatever it is, all right? And, and I want to open it, okay? And by the way, you're not going to get to know what it is because I'm, I'm saving it for tomorrow. So you're going to have to just, the surprise is going to continue. But for me, when I open this gift, I'm going to find out what it is. And it'll, I'll put the pair of socks on or the shirt or, you know, the car keys. <laughs> Here's hoping. Whatever it is, right, I'm going to enjoy. But it'll be changed. It'll be different. It'll no longer have the same infinite possibility that it has now. Some of you, and let me talk to those of you that aren't followers of Jesus. And by the way, I'm glad you're here tonight, whatever reason or whoever invited you here. You're not a follower of Jesus. You're trying to find fullness of life in all kinds of ways, and everyone leads to a dead end, doesn't it? It's like career. That'll ultimately not fulfill you. Good family. That's great, but it ultimately will not fill you. It won't give you fullness of life. Relationships will not fill you. Comforts, entertainment, more stuff, vacations, great stuff will not fill you. From a fullness of life standpoint, it all ends in a dead end. But life with God is full of infinite possibility. It's full of mystery. According to the biblical narrative, this earth is not all there is. In fact, we will one day be a part of a second creation, a new heaven and a new earth that we can't even imagine. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. What is in store for us? You see, life with God is full of infinite possibility. And not just on that earth, even on this earth. The first time you ride that roller coaster is terrifying. The second and third and fourth and fifth time, it's joyful. It's fun. It's a blast. There's laughter. There's, can we do it again? Can we do it again? What made the difference? You've learned to trust the ride. The only way to trust the ride is to know the one who created it, is to know the author. And some of you in this room, you've been created for purpose and you haven't tasted what it's like to live out that purpose. You haven't tasted what life with God, which is full of infinite possibility, but also has peace of knowing the author of life. And so how I want to close this short message right now is I want to pray. I want to pray for those of you that don't yet know Christ. And I want to pray for all of us who do know Christ, but are going to have trouble trusting him in 2018 when the twists and turns inevitably come. And if you've not known Christ tonight, let me just tell you, you can pray along with me and I'm going to lead you in a prayer that could literally make the difference in your eternity. Because the secondary surprise that you'll experience if you put your trust in Jesus Christ is that he accepts you right where you are. You don't need to clean yourself up. You don't need to get real religious. You don't need to join a Sunday school class. You don't need to memorize your Bible. Wherever you are in all of your sin and all of your mess, it's just an act of you saying, I bring my need and I receive from Christ the life that is true life. Believing in faith, he lived the life I couldn't live and died the death that I deserve to die so that I can have true life. That's the exchange that you get to make tonight. That's actually the gift that you get to open. And then life begins anew for you. So let me pray for us 
all of us if you'd bow our heads and let me go before our Father. Our Father in heaven, author of life, holder of mystery, grantor of gifts. It is with joy in our hearts that we remember this child that you sent, your own son, yourself, enfleshed in a baby, fully human, yet also fully God. And as we think about that mystery, as we think about that surprise, as we think about the infinite possibility of a God-man and what that might mean for the cosmos, we recognize in humility that there's no way that we can fully wrap our minds around it. And so, Father, for the men and the women, and I actually believe there are men and women in this room tonight that maybe actually want to take a step of faith because you've put faith in their heart tonight, that this would be the Christmas, that their life would begin to make sense, that this would be the Christmas that they would put their faith in you, their trust in you, and then their life, which has ultimately just been dead ends up till now, would open up till infinite possibility. And so if that describes you in the room and you just feel a sense that, that God has actually spoken to you tonight through his word, I would invite you to pray this prayer. Father, you know I need you even though I have resisted. And tonight, I look to your son Jesus to exchange my dead-end life for a life full of possibility. I put my faith in his life, that he lived for me the thing that I could never do, which is perfection. And he earned for me the pleasure of your gaze. And I put my faith in that and I put my faith in his death on my behalf. He died for me because my sins were great. And I put my faith in his resurrection, that he was raised up so that I might also be raised up, so that I might begin to live the eternal kind of life now and have assurance of eternity in the life to come. And if you've prayed that prayer tonight, you're part of the kingdom of God. And for all of us, just continuing with our eyes closed, for all of us who have at some point in our life put our trust in Jesus, may we tonight remember this story full of surprise, full of mystery, full of wonder. May it increase our faith and our trust in the one who is in control in the year to come and beyond. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take those candles that you got when you came in. And we're going to end our service by singing Silent Night, Holy Night. And we're going to light these candles together. Now, I'm going to light my candle from this Christ candle. And before I do, let me give you just a bit of instruction so that no one gets hurt. We may have had a lady last year light her hair on fire. That lady may or may not have been my sister. She is okay. But to avoid that problem, here's two tips. Tip number one, always keep a lit candle vertical. Tip number two, always keep a lit candle away from your hair or anyone else's hair. So when the flame comes to you, you'll take your unlit candle, you'll turn it at a 90 degree angle horizontally, and you'll light the candle from the lit flame. Then from that point on, your lit candle should stay vertical and you'll pass to the next person. I'm going to light the Christ candle, which is the final candle of our Advent. It symbolizes that Christ, the pure Son of God, has come. Come to live the life of perfection that would please our God and come to die 
for the sins of the earth. Now I'm going to pass this candle out into the audience and we will come to you and we will light your candle. Feel free when the flame comes uh, down your row to go ahead and light the next person next to you and we'll make our way around the room.